I actually say I just live my truth. Like uh, in yoga, there's this word called dharma. And they say when you're living your dharma, it's like your true purpose, your bliss, like what brings you happiness? When does time stop for you? So I use that as kind of like my internal compass. And so that means that can be writing a book, that can be traveling, that can be vlogging, that can be filming something cool, it can be making a recipe. So long as time stops, then that's what I do. I just live what's true for me. Hi, I'm Dan Brophy. They say if you do what you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Well, in this series, I'll be talking to people who are doing what they love and earning an income from it. I want to find out how they came to discover their passion, what their day-to-day -day looks like, and how they make it work as a career or alongside one. If you're looking for more satisfaction in your eight to six, or possibly even taking a new career path, then this is the podcast for you. This is Dan Brophy's Quit Your Day Job, a podcast for frustrated creatives. When does time stop for you? When do you find yourself so deep in flow that an hour can fly by like a minute? Well, that's a great way to know that you're tapping into your passions. For my guest, who you may know as the wellness influencer Lola Berry, that feeling can come from cooking, writing about cooking, she's now on to her 10th book, teaching and practicing yoga, and making video content. She's also a public speaker and a TV presenter. She has a smoothie bar in South Melbourne called Happy Place, and she's leveraged her background as a nutritionist into being a brand ambassador and a media personality. Lola has taken what she loves and turned it into a career and a personal brand. The term personal brand seems to have got a weird stigma around it, maybe because there are so many people trying to claim it, but when you're contributing as much to the health and wellness landscape as Lola is, I think it's more than warranted. I couldn't wait to talk to her about her creative process, how she got into doing what she's doing, and how she manages to fit it all in and still find the time to vlog about it. She's a thoroughly modern businesswoman and I am absolutely inspired by her. So please enjoy my chat with Lola Berry. Ayurvedic medicine, Indian medicine. I've been to Ayurvedic retreats in India and experienced what it's like to live and eat only that, but I've never done the full wow. Ayurvedic training to it's know how cool. to, you know. I did one semester of it at uni as part mm. of my degree. What was your degree? Nutritional medicine, so it's a health science and it's called a Bachelor of Nutritional Medicine. So it's a bachelor degree. Great. Yeah. Well, I love to ask people to start the ball rolling when someone says, hey, what do you do? What do, you, what do you tell them? <laughs> okay, what do I do? I actually say I just live my truth. Like uh, in yoga, there's this word called dharma. And they say when you're living your dharma, it's like your true purpose, your bliss, like what brings you happiness? When does time stop for you? So I use that as kind of like my internal compass. And so that means that can be writing a book, that can be traveling, that can be vlogging, that can be filming something cool, it can be making a recipe. So long as time stops, then that's what I do. I just live what's true for me. 
And if someone says, okay, well, what, so what do you actually do though? Like, what does that look like for you? Uh, it's, well, okay. So at the moment, my career is really weird, but I am a nutritionist. Um, I write health books. I do like morning TV segments. Um, I travel around like a gypsy. I also teach yoga. So generally like a week in the life. I can't really do a day in the life because they're so weirdly interchangeable. Well, that's probably the wrong word, but like changes all the time. So a week in the life would be probably like... You're probably going to do a speaking engagement or two. You're probably going to be working on manuscript or meeting with publishers because I'm about to sign my 10th book deal. Yeah, which is really exciting. So I'm constantly generally writing. You might be writing articles. You might be delivering recipes for a company. The moment I'm working with Coles, so I was delivering a recipe to Hero, one of their new veggies. Um, and then sometimes I'll be guest teaching yoga events. So I fly to Melbourne in a few days to guest teach a yoga event down there. So that's kind of what I do. But I guess you'd say nutritionist in media and yoga teacher. It's so great because a lot of people would tap into parts of that. And I feel like for anyone who was even doing one small part of all the things that are in the Lola Berry spectrum, you offer inspiration and almost kind of lifestyle inspo for how to do that in a really, you know, positive way, in a way that gives back, in a way that, you know, seems to feed all parts of your lifestyle. I'd love to... So you and I met, I reckon, <laughs> in 2000 and like mid-2000s, let's say, I reckon. True, definitely, yes. Okay, well, put it this way. When were you working in a shop on Greville Street? Okay, when I was 17. It's 2003 I would have started. Yeah, okay, Does great. that feel about yeah. right? Actually, that'd be right because I was overseas in 2003 and I reckon I like went overseas in the end of 2002, came back a year later and all of a sudden there was this foxy babe on the street <laughs> <laughs> with some fabulous like uh, multicolored hair yeah, and a neon ensemble and you were DJing and I remember one time I came to an event that you were DJing at and I remember even then thinking like this chick's got some balls like who is this she's so bullshit and you were playing Barbie girl Oh, at a point at which it was not even yet realized what ironic pop jams at disco <laughs> at the club were actually all about. Yeah. So even then I was like, she's good. She's got, <laughs> she's got the finger on the pulse. Who is this bitch? <laughs> so that, I mean, who, who was that person then? And then when, at what stage did the, the Lola Berry chapter commence in relation to 2003? Well, first of all, I want to say my first memory of you is I stole your shoe. Like I saw you wearing these amazing shoes and I was like, holy smokes, this guy's not only so effing hot, but he's got the best shoes in the world. And I was like, I went out and bought them after I saw you Which wearing them. Which shoes are they? So they were like Nike high tops, but they had glitter gold so- gold soles and they were like matte gold. Yeah, 100%. Do you know the ones As a matter of fact, they are so like... They're so special to me that someone actually came up to me who I haven't speak, spoken to for ten, for ten, seven or eight years, who I used to let them to a club when I was a doorman. Yeah, that's Con- why I remember you wearing them. Contacted me on Facebook six months ago and said, hey dude, I was cleaning out my parents' garage and I found these shoes that I remember you wearing that I went and bought, but they never quite fit me right. Do you want them? Because they're probably your size. So he also no. associated those very gold shoes with me enough to say, I bought them because I saw you wearing them, but then I, ne- I never, but they How were too cool big or that? something. So. I've kept mine too. I've still got mine. Mm, I've got mine will be busted somewhere in my parents' garage. Oh, so that was my first memory of you. And you're always so smiley and nice and kind. And I remember me and my boyfriend would be like, oh, 
like every time we go because you'd like let us we were always write really little like and two little shorties and you'd always be like here's my favorite little couple and you'd let us in i remember but um from that time when you're talking about working in clothing store on greville street um I actually feel like I'm the same person. I know it sounds weird. Like, I sure I was zany then. I had like I had leopard print hair extensions at one stage, and I'd do boy George makeup, and was very eighties inspired. And but I was just authentically me. Like I was just me. I remember I'd get into so Stevie was the clothing shop I worked at. I'd get in there, and my job would be as soon as I got in, which would would be to sprinkle glitter on the floor. And my boss, Lyndon, who was a champion, was just like, you are the billboard for me. And we kind of just got on like a house on fire and it made me realise, and watching him live his passion made me realise, although I hadn't found that passion within myself yet, I could acknowledge it in him and trust that it was coming. So it was a really beautiful kind of like way to grow up. And like, yeah, it was a very fun way to grow up and spend a few years just... Yeah. Also, but when you, I don't know if you felt the same way, but when I was like... I started working in that world at 16, 17 as well. And then you're coming up and you're your most impressionable and you've got these big brothers and sisters who are kind of, as far as you're concerned, they've they've made it. They're grown-ups, they have yeah. shops, yeah. they're clothing designers, they're sort of... Living as, the dream. Living the dream as yeah. far as like, you know, that disco kind of nightclub-y retail yeah. universe goes. And therefore you get a chance to observe people who are successful creative ambitious driven you know um have a great balance between work and party life yeah it's a great i mean to come Uh, up in that scene is kind of really fortuitous so lucky because i remember even the stuff i've learned off Lyndon, who was the designer of stevie and my boss at the time and i remember he had a meeting one day with a nightclub actually and he walked in he was so stressed out and he goes i just sat in the meeting for an hour and it wasted an hour of my time and i thought how good are you to be able to acknowledge when someone's taking you for a ride or and I remember now I'll go into meetings and I if I feel like it's wasting my time I've got no issue going sorry guys I've got somewhere else to be as a result of learning that off him and mm-hmm. and seeing because like that's one thing about I think also working in media and having a bit of a social media presence a lot of people will take 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 and 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 want a lot from you and I think learning that at such a young age to be able to go this and trusting your intuition and going this is not actually serving me is really powerful and I learned that from him. I actually, it's so funny you should mention that. This week I was, I got um, requested for a couple of different people who seemed like very nice people who I thought they looked like lovely guys and they wanted to have a coffee. And I I said, look, sorry to be blunt, but I've got a list as long as my arm of people who are really good friends who I really want to catch up with, but I have no time for. Um, is there anything that you really want to talk about? Because I thought, like, if they're, if they're going through some strife, I would 100% totally. say, let's have a coffee and sort it, and out, sort it yeah. out. But if you just want to chew the fat because you like the idea of it, yeah. I won't prioritize it at the moment because there's a lot going on. And yeah. that was sort of a nice thing for me to realize. I'm not okay. a shit person. I just recognize that if I had another hour in the day, I'd either give it to my boyfriend or my totally. um, l- l- endless list of creative Your projects. Your puppy. Yes, my, my puppy, Marcello. Um, you know, there are unborn babies that, that are waiting to be come up through books I'm yet to write and things yeah. I'm yet to do. And that really needs my time more so than a, a sweet coffee date with some otherwise great person who, you know, it's not urgent enough for me to... I think there's something to be said for not compromising yourself. And I've been for so many years a yes girl. Like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Like, and I've got this, I'm very hard on myself. And I've got this like hard work mentality, like do this at this time. But like the second that you keep doing that, sometimes you actually, 
you're not in line with your values, you start to feel burnt out, you can feel a little bit down. And, and I think there's something really powerful in going, thanks but no thanks, or actually that compromises who I am and my values. And by me doing that to, to you know for you or you catching up with someone that just wants your wisdom or advice or for you to help them with something, that's fine if it's a I believe in you want some equality as well totally I, sometimes someone will if that's why if someone does have something really big going on I really learn a lot from that process of talking things out with people in specific times in their life like totally. someone's really available when they're at those crossroad moments to talk stuff in a yeah. very real way as opposed to just having a gossip yeah you know? it's especially a in Sydney thing. it's easy to get sucked in because uh, someone's because we're both are you in Melbourne originally as well 100%. same okay so people say to me what's the biggest difference between living in Sydney and living in Melbourne That's a great question get asked at least every second day right so I would say first of all Sydney warmer Sydney prettier as far as nature goes and the beach and all that kind of thing um Sydney a lot of opportunity for media I call it baby LA um but then I would say Melbourne culture coffee food art um I also say to people that there are more people sharks in Sydney than there are in Melbourne. Most people want something from you in Sydney. And that's fine if you're aware of it. If you're not aware of it, I remember the first um, week of moving here, I caught up with this health blogger. And she's like, let's go for a smoothie. And I was like, great, awesome. And she quickly, as soon as the smoothie and the, she got a tea and I got a smoothie or something, she just arrived, shook a photo, and she goes, babe, you take a photo, you share it with your tribe, and I'll share it with my tribe. And I was like, ugh, this feels gross mm. and really fake and really like she didn't really give a shit about seeing me. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but she didn't really Please. care about seeing me. And all she really cared about was getting my numbers. And I was like, ugh, this is really mm. feral. And so um, Sydney, you've got to be strong within yourself. Otherwise, or like have your backbone there because it will eat you up and spit you out. And it takes a while to fall in love with Sydney. I've been here three years now and I really love it. But that first year was pretty painful, to be honest. Not painful, but just like that real slog. I had a very lonely 18 months when I first came yeah. here. And I still had three or four good friends who come up from Melbourne for work before I got here. Yeah. So there was a good uh, enough... Um, like mattress for me to fall into and I still felt lonely because I kept on trying out all these different friends and friendship groups to try and see who was on yeah. my wavelength and I was so disappointed yeah, again yeah. and again and I wanted yeah. to you know then and every single time it's like first dates where you just turn yeah. up and you have your best hopes yeah. for how it's going to work out and then you always end up going not like not me and I think yeah. it took me a long time because the thing about I mean I there's so many interesting ways in which the two cities differ yeah. but I would bring it down to the fact that yeah every for nine months of the year in sydney the weather is great and the beaches are some of the best in the world correct so why would you hypothetically go and spend the day in an art gallery or sitting around yeah. having meaningful conversations over coffee because you're out abseiling or you know yeah. like swimming nature. in the harbor yeah. like in, in nature so it's this intoxicatingly beautiful it's almost like a beautiful girl that never had to develop a personality because yeah. she's so beautiful. <laughs> That's know? such a great way to describe Sydney. Yeah. Um, but then Melbourne's like, she's not so pretty, but God, she's got spunk, you know? Yeah, I love spunk. your Melbourne posts too. Yeah. Like you yeah. always find the coolest street art and like I don't see that up here. No, it doesn't exist. But, because yeah. the thing is, as well is both cities, I mean, Sydney's so expensive that if you want to exist in this city, you've got to hustle. Yeah. You've got to hustle and you've got to be, like, it almost trains you from birth to go, if I want to have a nice life, I have yeah. to have money. Yeah. Therefore, I better l 
become a banker, not an artist. Yeah. I better marry well. I better, yeah. you know, I better hustle, hustle, hustle the whole time because I don't want to live three hours out of the co- away from the coast. Oh, you know, like, totally. And that's one thing I learned. Like, I remember a few months ago, I went on a date with this this guy that went to a school called State Ignatius up here. Oh, okay. That's like a fancy coastal. Fancy yeah. boys school. And he was saying how there's all this expectation. And I went to a girls' school in Melbourne called Loretto. Mm. And Loretto's a fancy schmancy school as well. But it's got a sister school up here. Oh, the, the, the Ignatius is the brother school or the school that I went to in Melbourne. What so did you go to? To Xavier. Oh, my God. Are you a Xavier boy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I'm a mandible girl. Well, we're, we're having like a very Melbourne conversation right we now. We are. But yeah, so he and him and I date, and he's like, well, you're my sister's school. Like, this is meant to be. And I was like, ooh, like that made me feel uncomfortable because I was like, even though some of my Xavier friends in Melbourne are some of my closest mates, but um, up here it was just like, he's like, well, that's how it goes. A Loretto girl ends up with a St. Ignatius boy. And, and I was just like, whoa. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you do the job that makes you, you work in corporate world. And, you know, we've all got heaps of money. And I was just like, and we're all going. He took me to some, um, oh, what's that bar in a double bay? Oh, I know, Mississippi. It wasn't Mississippi, but it was, I might be saying the wrong area, Watson's Bay Hotel. Oh, yeah, okay. You know how it's gorgeous. Oh, Very yeah. Sydney, and stunning, it's a beautiful private view. school, enclave. Everyone knew him. Everyone was like, this, literally, we were sitting on our third day, and this guy walked up to us and goes, you're really pretty, but he's a god. And I was oh, like, what? oh, because he was captain of St. Ignatius, and I was like, oh, get me. And it just felt like I was falling into this, like, um, like this puzzle piece or something, and I was like, Ugh, in, get in, me the, in the rom-com projection of how it would have gone, you would have dated to a point at which you he proposed marriage, and you would have had the world at your feet, and oh, this wealthy god wanting to make oh, you his, and you would have been like, I can't do it, it's not me. Nah. See, I one of my things, I have to feel free. I've, I've known that about myself for quite a while now, and I've never compromised on it, and so like as soon as it, I'm a big believer in when it doesn't, when it's not meant to be for you, it's probably not meant to be for them either. And you can quickly feel... 100%. Ugh. For me, although, like, I love being adored and I love feeling like a princess and stuff like that, I'm not going to lie. Um, but I also love being challenged and how accountable and being told when I'm being an effing bitch. Like, and being... And, like, when I stress out, I'm quite nasty. Not nasty, but, yeah, nasty. Um, when I'm, like, stressed and exhausted and haven't had coffee, I'm like, don't even talk to me. But I want someone to be like, hey, Lola, like... That's not okay. Or go and, like, I, um, yeah, I know that, like, that's awesome to have someone to follow you. But, like, at the same time, I'd almost want someone that goes, yeah, I'm happy to follow you, but I'm going to live my passion too. Well, look, I'm here doing this thing. If we can make it work as awesome. two mutual, yeah. mutually important, you know, entities, yeah. then let's make it work. But otherwise, I'm kind of living my life. Yeah. And that would be, to me, such an aphrodisiac. Totally <laughs> I'd be like, right. maybe I should stay. How can I, how can I compromise to make myself, yeah. uh, myself to be in your presence? Yeah. Um, when So way back then, around that time of you know, self-development, at what stage did you always have a, an interest in... Actually, one thing I was thinking when you were saying you, know, you were so colourful then, but you've, you've not changed. I'm not, I've not changed either. No, and you I haven't. Think, yeah. and, and I think the interesting thing that I, that I would observe is occasionally I'm dressed very colourfully. Like today, I'm kind of colourful. But, and, and <laughs> but I feel like more often than not, there was definitely a transition when I didn't have to wear my color on my sleeve so to speak because it started to go inwards and I started to cultivate a richness of extravagance and weirdness and wildness that was almost 
that was sort of happening internally. And I feel like, you know, do, would you say something else happened where you, there was an outward explosion of like, wow, when you were younger, that, yeah. then that sort, of, sort of slowly turned in to become like an inward expression of that? Yeah, I, like I've never thought of it like that before, but I feel like it totally is. It's, I think it's a moment of owning it kind of thing and knowing who you are and kind of like self-worth and self-love. Like I, you know, if I look back over from even I'm 31 now so from even that time of being like 18 all the way to now like even up to like all right like 27 I don't even I would have been insecure like I've got a history of eating disorders like I wouldn't have liked who I was for a big chunk of that time and probably not owned who I was and loved who I was so I think the second that you kind of like go hang on this is me I love who I am I'm never gonna keep everyone happy so I may as well do what makes me feel happy that's kind of like a real nice shift and that's when you go yeah I am gonna um yeah be colorful on the inside that said like every time I go to gigs like or when, when I say gigs like a work gig like I'll be that girl that wear, wears like some beautiful bohemian dress but with like kicks or like three stripe added ass shoes or you know Stan Svensson and totally like I'm like mate I'm fuck wearing heels like when I don't want to or like you know so I think it still comes through in different ways but um yeah I think it's it's a point of like owning it and I mean I'll happily live in yoga gear all day long too and not care yeah I, I, I wanted to design a life for which active wear was totally appropriate no matter oh, what yeah. I was doing because it can take you from the gym to the disco and the meeting in between you know if your name's Dan absolutely <laughs> you can totally I want you to do this 100% I mean this I would literally wear this outfit to the gym to the disco and to the meeting in between oh you're amazing um what so you're I mean there's a wealth of 10 books is such a mind-blowing concept and there's a wealth of awareness around nutrition and and, and is that something that was a, a passion that had existed you know even in your late teens that then continued to blossom as you as you went along yeah totally so um at school my mum sent me to school with like um like she'd make spirulina protein balls and all of that so at school I was always that health nerd was never allowed food from the tuck shop but it would always be like leftover salmon pasta from the night before or stuff so I've been brought up my mum's a nurse so I've been brought up with a very healthy and I guess you would say like wholesome as far as like health and nutrition goes I remember when I finished year 12 I thought I'd be the next Kate Blanchett I was like that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a nighter. Like me too. <laughs> like me too in such a big way. So. Oh, like that. And that was my, and, but I remember driving past this college in the city that was um, called Australian College of Natural Health at the time. And I was like, well, that's my backup. I'm going to be a health nerd if I, you know, if that doesn't turn out. And then I went to, um, I didn't get into NIDA and I went to Monash Performing Arts, Bachelor of Performing Arts, and about the first thing they said was, you're going to be a drama teacher. 95% of you are going to be drama teachers. And I was like, that's not my calling. I just knew that wasn't my calling. And so a year and a half in, and I pulled out and became a DJ and a makeup artist. And that's when you saw the crazier Lola. Or well, my DJ name was Lauren Heaven back in the day. Yeah, I, my 
nickname for friends who I think are heaven is heaven. Yeah. Heaven. <laughs> and it's so, it's so funny that it, that was something that, I mean, that's only come about in the last five years or so. Yeah. And I just love that you identified heaven as being this, you know, this catchphrase nickname that you wanted to embrace. It's because I had this 80s top from, that was like this peach pink cover that was my color that was my mum's that I'd always wear to work at Stevie. And it was like, it was very flash dance. Like it'd be oversized off the shoulder. We were all bat, cutting, cutting bat wing, like uh, totally, off the shoulder things, you know. Totally. That, that was like early noughties, 80s revival. Yes, totally. And I'd buy like beautiful Roy tops, which is where you worked as mm. well, was it? And I'd chop it all and I'd be like, now I see it. I'm like, why the F did you cut it, Lola? But um, this top said heaven and it was my mum's top from the 80s. So I was like, Lauren, heaven works. I think... I don't know how it came out, but I just, I loved it. It's got a beautiful cadence to it as well. Lauren, heaven. It, it sounds very porn star. That's true. But um, true. it's all good. But yeah, so the so then how did the health stuff come about was I then started dating my DJ teacher at the time, Kane, and he was like a little Melbs, you probably remember him too, little Melbs DJ. And I remember when he would he was producing his own music too, and I'd watch his passion sitting there with Logic Pro up and like doing his own. And he was like music takes people on a journey. And I would watch him DJ and I'd watch me DJ and I was just doing it for the free drink cards, if I'm honest, and to have a great time. But for him it was like his calling. You could see it. It was like his Dharma, his bliss. And I would I'd be like, Man, I hope I get to feel that that you feel one day in within myself. And so I would say he's, he was a catalyst for me because he was like, trust, it'll come, you know. And then whilst I was with him, because we were together like four years, um, I enrolled to study Bachelor of Health Science. So I feel like seeing him live his purpose, I kind of like opened the door for me to really explore that. And so whilst I was still DJing, I was studying nutritional medicine. Even my 21st birthday, we did an organic tequila punch and like all the food was organic and stuff and we'd make green smoothies in the morning and like Kane would go out and DJ still and and come home and like take all these liver herbs to feel better you know like so we're kind of living this awesome little juxtaposition I guess but yeah so I've always kind of like had an interest in it and um then I became really inspired by Steve Irwin and I just loved his authentic passion and that's when I saved up got a camera and would talk to my food every morning and be like, these oats are like intestinal broom. And that's how it all kind of started with YouTube. Yeah, so you were using the information that you had from studying or that sort of awareness yeah. around nutrition, but then packaging it up in a way that was engaging and fun as inspired by what you saw Steve Irwin doing when it came yeah. to nature and wildlife. Yeah. So funny, I similarly had that, uh, my... Um, equivalent of that is Nigella. I just love. Oh, I Nigella. could see you loving Nigella. Do you know that when I'm feeling really low and I'm and I'm in a like yeah. energetically drained place, yeah. everyone in my household knows they'll find me in bed watching old episodes of Nigella. That's, That's me just... with Steve Irwin. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it just clicks me back in. Because when you're watching someone live their purpose, and Nigella, there's something like um, so like oozy about her, like, and you can it just. It's and almost entrancing. Yeah, use of words is so intoxicating. I and the way it. it's shot is so. There's, there's a romance to all yes. of her stuff. I feel. I used to do the same with Jamie Oliver for ages, but then there's just. I think because my goals are very America as opposed to UK. It's something about Steve Irwin. Just like he'll be talking down the lens of this camera, and he'll just be like so passionate about a monkey or a 
crocodile like and it's that same thing and just like clicks you back in and i don't know what it does but just like it's almost like a form of meditation where it just kind of grounds you or yes focuses your energy or reminds you of it's almost like because you're you're not intellectually observing the way in which they're talking or what they're doing but you're actually just feeling uh their presence or their energy or their you know totally focuses your laser a little bit have you seen nigella's christmas side note Yes. I've got that on DVD. I love ripping that out every Christmas. It's heaven. I mean, I just, uh, I go through a different stage because, you know, Nigella, Simply Nigella and Nigellissima, the later ones are, you know, she's going through difficult things in her life. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's a there's an emotional gravitas to yeah. what she's doing. I love early Nigella where she's carefree and just, yeah. you know, lusty and hopeful and, I don't know. Actually, she's always had a pretty rough life behind the scenes, but... Has she really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, her first husband had a really tragic um, cancer, like passed away really? from cancer very slowly. So a lot of her learning to, to kind of make a big deal out of cooking was in a sense to celebrate the fact that he couldn't really, um, you know, eat the way wow. he used to eat. So she'd sort of um, find a theatrical way to engage wow. with and talk about food to kind of allow him to connect to food still. Because wow. he had throat cancer. And then... She had that tragic relationship with Charles Saatchi, who was really abusive, wow. and you know that's when she was proposed, uh, supposedly, you know, doing drugs that the, the nannies had reported her to the. Wow! Press and, you know. I just think she's a dreamboat. I've never, yeah. I've never researched her story, but say, um, similarly, I've always loved watching Jamie's earlier stuff, like The Naked mm. Chef, and that real what a babe. rawness, yeah, and that mm. real like that Essexness, you know, that real kind of like he's a bit rougher. Uh, the thing I, I love like about that. what he does, which I'm, which is definitely what you do, and what I always try and do when talking about difficult concepts as well, is. Going, I mean, what he did with pub grub was go, okay, the UK doesn't know how to eat. Yeah. They have, they're terrified of the idea of what it's like to prepare healthy, good food. Yeah. But they like to go to the pub and they like to have someone prepare it for them for £10. So I'm going to show them in really bite sized, fun, palatable ways how to break off these little bits of the process in ways that they can find really easy ways to do do it for themselves. He simplified it and made it cool. Made it cool, made it fun. But I don't, and similarly, I don't know before I started observing you do it, anyone to talk about nutrition, you know, the wellness is this really commonly used term at the moment, yeah. which is everywhere. And it's so bankable for so many brands that want to yeah. align themselves with that. And so, but I don't notice, and I love that you organically tapped the zeitgeist just before the bell curve sort of showed everyone wanting to do it in a way that allowed you to kind of go, this is really important. Everyone should know about this. I'm going to make it fun and effortless and, you know, and easy breezy. Oh, um, that's, that's a huge compliment. But yeah. like, it's now, you're right though. Everyone, every second person is a health blogger now. Like. Yeah. And I mean, I, I all well and good. I mean, Yeah, it's, it's totally. Good. The more the merrier. And so when someone jumps on board, you know, your your output and at the moment just to give people who are listening some clarification around it as well as the ways in which people can experience you through the, the books the recipe books mm-hmm. they might also experience you through talk me through it um instagram youtube yeah insta's pretty big for me like a strong one for me facey um youtube i've just started vlogging so i'm building youtube up which is taking time but so much fun um and then twitter but yeah i mean mainly like probably the books and then i do bigger ambassadorships like with the uni i study at with grilled doing a coles campaign at the moment so that's how they can might see me a bit more i don't know i just feel like i kind of do my thing it's also a nice way for people who i mean when someone jumps on board you know if someone's a a fan is it because 
do you reckon you you remind them that they can do it too, or do they? I mean, are Lola Berry fans generally girls in a sim like female or in a similar stage in their life to you? It's they... so funny. It used to be so. It used to be young females only, and now the dynamic shifted to like thirty percent males, which is really weird. I don't know if that's because like that's how so much has changed since I chopped my hair off. I know that sounds so weird, but I think. When I had these, I had these long extensions up until I think I still had them when I last yeah. saw you, right to my butt, and um, it, I think that I was like this whimsical little mermaid to a lot of my, and so I had that younger, and then I kind of like chopped my hair, and I automatically just felt sexier within myself, and I kind of felt more like a grown up, and so I think my dynamic and my audience has broadened a little bit of that because I think, um, I mean, social media is interesting. I mean, you want to inspire and empower people but you know it's visual as well and you you it, it's really funny like I've got management in America and I've got management here in Australia and an American manager's um feedback is always like we need to see more of you Lola more of your face more of your bot like people want to see all of this and I'm like oh I'm more used to just putting recipes up and so it's really interesting to see um how when you kind of shift it to showing more of you and showing yourself um how you're your demographic kind of shifts and how people get really engaged with you like yesterday we were just saying i went cave hunting with a friend i had at least half a dozen half a dozen messages asking if we were an item which we're not totally not but like people like to buy into that little like uh, i don't know what it is or i don't know if it's connection or feeling like um Like, I always try with social media to almost not humanise myself, but to show the human element. And so, like, for example, when we were um, cave hunting yesterday, I fell over and slipped because I decided for the photo I wanted to wear my black three stripes, which was stupid because there was no grip on them and it had rained all night. So, but got a good photo for Insty. Um, But, yeah, so I think in the video I always show, like, in the Insta story bit, I always show, like, me being a bit of a numpty falling over or whatever it is so I believe in being very no filter so I think maybe just being real with my socials is really important but the demographic always shifts um one thing I have learned is I'm never going to keep everyone happy I get so much body shaming it's insane so I'm either too fat for someone or too skinny for someone else so you know what I think fuck yes, I'm doing what's right for me. Like, and I think that that's having a stronger re- And I'm always honest about what I'm doing. Like when I'm strength training, my body changes. Well, I mean, you know this, I mean, mm. you've got like an epic bod, but like when I introduce more strength in my body changes, when I have more yoga, my muscles lengthen, like, you know, mm. like, it, um, I'm really open about what I'm doing, but yeah, I believe in just being honest and open. I'm really intrigued by the idea that people first and foremost, especially people who aren't super expanded in their consciousness, can only relate to you in their own terms. That's why relationships are such a big thing or body is such a big thing because they can only see you in the same way in which they look at their own lives. And if their relationship is everything to them, a good way to understand you is through your relationship yeah. and if their body is a big issue for them as, a, as someone who wants to be skinnier then yeah. your lack of showing us a, a story that supports their own narrative yeah. is a thing for them and that's awesome I've never thought of that so people will only ever project onto you what their ego needs to see yeah. for its own story to confirm its own story yeah. and that's why oh you're good I have a lot of girlfriends who have just, who once upon a time were 
living the same lifestyle as my gay friends and now they have kids and you know they're um they're married and they you know live out of the city and they have very specific lifestyles yeah. that are that are really different to the way my inner city friends who are pursuing a different lifestyle yeah. uh the, the way their lives look and the first half an hour well like you know the first line of questioning that will always come is relationship like how's paul how's you yeah. know how's because that, that that's that their relationship is their everything so yeah. they want and they can only truly jump on board your narrative via the, the means that they have that's so cool do you know the first thing i ask everyone because i'm just self-analyzing here because i love learning about i always say um because everyone i think also because working in media as you know it can be a bit of a it can suck you and it can be a very shell like um fake kind of world mm. so i'll always ask a friend i'll be like how's your heart like how do you feel in your heart and they're like you, first of all they can be taken back sometimes i think it's only can be about relationship and i don't mean that at all i mean how do you feel within yourself is kind of what i'm asking yeah. and normally most people will it's really fascinating they'll be like i'm really stressed out because of this isn't this and this or they'll talk about their relationship but like if you're talking to someone that's really in tune they'll be like it's doing okay. The, the when you talk to the really, really, really spiritually into people, they'll often tell you what the moon cycle is doing and that it's a, in Gemini at the moment and there's a lot of emotional stuff going on. And I'm like, fucking yeah, soaking it all up. Totally. But yeah, far out. That was really cool. I like that. Yeah, I'm really aware of that as well because I, because you know, people just want to connect. They don't really care what they talk about. The Correct. words are just words coming out of their mouth, and what they want is a feeling, a verbal hug. They yeah. just want to feel a yeah. sense of connection. So oftentimes it doesn't really matter what you're saying as long as you actually feel connection. Yeah. So that, and so for me, my turn on is I want to know what people are, are, are getting turned on by creatively. Yeah. I'm always like, what do you, and sometimes, and if they're a creative person, I'm like, so what are you, ta- what are you tapping your energy into at the moment? Or yeah. what are you creatively turned on by right now? And then they, yeah. they like that because it's a good chance to go, oh, like I've, I saw this ex- exhibition which blew yeah. my mind. Or, and then for people who don't work in that same space, I'll go, Oh, what have you, um, what have you consumed recently that's really excited you? Like, what are you watching? What are you listening to? Yeah. What are you? Because it's real, like oh, frontal these cortex are good. stuff. Yeah, mm. frontal cortex. Oh, I'm getting to love you more and more and more. Oh. You're just saying all the right stuff, right? Yeah. It's funny because like I've got friends that think more linear as well. Because I'm like quite creative and quite emotional and passionate and fire heart or in Ayurvedic medicine you'd call it pitta. Like quite. Mm. Does that mean that you should eat warm foods more often? I mean, I go from, so the three doshas in Ayurvedic medicine are vata, pitta, kapha, and you have one dominant, and I sit between pitta and vata being dominant, so vata is that really soft, gentle, I fall into that when I do a lot of yoga, and I get really effing cold, and that's a vata dominant trait, but when I'm in work mode... I'm not such the hippie boho because I think a lot of people think in my social media, oh, she's you know hippie and loves nature and which I am, but I can sit in a meeting and go, this is not cool, and and really turn my pitter on. And, and also, you might be uh, put immersing yourself in nature so as to offer a counter energy for what you naturally are. Yeah. So your you know your natural way of being could be. I mean, I'm well, I don't know what the label of it is, but I love hot foods. 
my energy's constantly running hot. I'm really pitter. Yeah, pitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's just me, you know. Yeah. And so everything that I do that I need to embrace is hopefully to get an, offer some sense of balance. Correct. Um, so you would do really well with yin yoga. And I do yin yoga twice a week. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're, and it's the same in like uh, TCM medicine that it's a balancing the yang and the yin. So for you, you're yang or yang dominant. And what's interesting for me is that when I do do the yin, which is almost to, to for someone to look at someone doing a yin yoga class, you're barely moving. It's almost just, like meditation. It's, it's yeah. in the full hour you do ten poses and you can hold a pose for anywhere between three to 11 minutes i teach in as well i oh. effing love it i it's for me it's the antidote and the funny thing about it is my body loves it in that i get oh. so muscular yeah because all of a sudden all off the back of the, all the weight training my 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 things stretch my blood pumps my, oh you know. well, it's working fascia and tendon it's not working muscle mm. so you're giving your space room to almost it's not the heal is the wrong word it's more like you're giving your your body space to kind of like get the most out of all that weights training that you do anyone that says to me do i do weights that i'm like you didn't do yin especially as a male mm. um yeah, those, especially right, the, those that. hips and hammies and all those places that guys get all their emotion just yeah. like bound in their hips yeah it's so interesting when you do like a like, an ex, like a camel or like a pigeon or something that really opens that up yeah this lot of emotion can oh. be released and you're like oh my god it's like I'm so emotional oh, I'm more yeah. emotional than, a, than they say you hold your current issues in your hips mm. and your past issues in your spine okay. so when people are in like a supine twist or a twisted roots or just any kind of twist I'll always be like what what can you presently when I'm teaching you I'll say what can you presently let go of right now leave it on the map because um, I love yoga. I say it's the gift I give to myself when I practice and it's the gift I share with others when I teach. And I teach to heart. So I will teach more of a philosophy-based class as opposed to you're still getting an effing great yoga class, but I won't teach while you're turning your serratus anterior on and all of that jazz. I will teach to heart philosophy or like really work on like yogi. yogi. It's that little taste of like I think – when we do yoga, we activate things within our body without knowing what's going on. Whereas I'll teach that philosophy side and go, you always want the balance of stira and sukha, softness and strength, you know, like, which is kind of what you were just talking about then. So many uh, lessons that have been given to me while I've been on a yoga mat, fed to me by teachers since 2004, anywhere from Los Angeles to London to mm. Sydney to Melbourne, come to me on the daily when I'm needing uh. them. And I don't know who, I, I wouldn't remember their, I wouldn't recognize them in a police lineup if I saw them, but yet those lessons are in my body for life. Oh, yeah. And I was saying to my friend yesterday, actually, I said, yoga, if I do yoga daily, I notice that my mental and emotional health is so in check. It's like my version of medicine or something. Whereas if I notice, if I let yogs go, I call it yogs, but if I let yogs go for even three, four five days I quickly become very agitated and I think that pitta really arises I mean I get really because having that passion that fire loving spicy food is great but when you've got too much of it you can be more anger based Mm. um you can have a bit of a shorter fuse get really agitated and frustrated and so yoga I think balances and brings more of that vata for me and so I think yeah, yogs is awesome. Do yogs, guys. <laughs> if the amount of, um, I mean, all the ways in which people could experience your different forms of storytelling, you know, through a class, through a recipe book, through the, the social media feeds, the information that comes through the Lollaberry channels, if you are very closed off to really far out concepts, doesn't seem scary. Don't, 
you know, that if I present ideas to friends who are just beginning their journey and just yeah. to awareness, it's too much too soon and they can freak out and bail. Totally, but I think you simplify it then. So that that's why for me people go so normally people say, you know how you said what do you do at the start? Then the most common thing I get asked is, What's your next dream? And I always say to live in a tree house. And everyone laughs. And I'm like, mm, I'm being serious. But I think if you just bring it back down to live your truth, right? And so, like, I want to build a treehouse retreat one day and probably live in it and have an awesome studio there as well. And I remember one guy, the most recent guy I dated, he was, well, like, awesome creative chef, but, like, a hotshot chef. Like, you know, people a lot of people lining up to eat his food it was very heston style theatrical and we broke up he said good luck trying to live your dreams didn't believe i could live and he's a great soul so no bad feelings um but um i I remember thinking holy smokes people don't necessarily believe in your truth but i was like i don't care because i believe in it and i know it's going to happen so i'm not worried even for a second and so everything i do with the books with social media um I've got a smoothie bar in Melbourne, like everything I do, as long as it's the truth that's inside me and I'm sharing that. And even the smoothie bar, like you get, it's it's got flower essence therapy in it, which works on your spiritual and emotional health in every smoothie. You just don't know it. Like we don't massively publicize it. Um, you get a crystal with each smoothie, but like you could just go in there and get a friggin' salted caramel smoothie and not realize that the nuts activated from byron bay and you know like you you know you don't have to i I don't i'm a big believer in not jamming anything down anyone's throat as far as my concepts go like even my old roommate who you met smoker massive booze hound way unhealthy so unhealthy and sure by the end of us living together i was like our values are totally out of alignment but I never judged him for that, you know, like he lived a much, had different hours to me and that was how he dealt with it. But like he will ta- he would to this day say she never judged me for having such a different lifestyle. So I think that um, as long as you, you're being true and I can simplify it, I've learned very early on. So I started my career off in morning TV. And so you get three to eight minutes to do a segment to teach about health or to do a recipe. So you have to make it simple. You have to make it quick. You have to make it engaging. So I've learned that and trained myself to simplify Yes, because people who are watching morning TV are not the, the most available to far out concepts. As a matter of fact, you probably are, have a great audience of people who are giving you a perfect example of packaging it in ways that are yeah. non-threatening, simplified, yeah. easygoing. But if you ask me to write a peer-reviewed journal article about the Krebs cycle inside, I'd have no idea. Like I'd be like, go and get a, a you know, a, a practicing nutritionist that's seeing clients day in, day out. I don't do that anymore. So I'm not tapped into the latest and greatest types of blood tests that you can get done or pathology reading. Like I'm, I, as a result, I'm less academic and I'm more mainstream. So, I mean... But I love that because that allows me to talk more and have more fun. Like it's more the creative, which is what I love. If so, I I love. How did that come about? That you were uh, you you said you began on morning TV. You know how how did that even come about in the first Cold place? Cold call. So we just like called up a morning show called Nine AM with David and Kim, which. Okay, so there used to be a show called Good Morning Australia with Bert Newton, mm. and it was the second, like it was the progression of that show, and then Nine M with David and Kim became the circle, which is what I continued on with. But I went on as a one-off segment about a girl using the internet to spread a good message about health, um, which is when I have my YouTube channel called Fruits and Roots, and um, and as soon as they called cut, they were like, "Can we sign you?" Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that was just off the back of a cold call. Because cold you, call. You, you're like, I'm doing this thing. I really believe in it. I want to get some attention for my YouTube channel. No, not even. It was, I, I love television. Filming, if you said, what do you love doing most? I'd say filming. Filming, I could do it until the cows come home. If I'm doing either a still shoot or shooting some kind of cool content, it's not work. It's just, it is. And I love it. And even when I'm filming very structured content for a bigger ambassadorship role where it's quite controlled, I still really enjoy it. Mm. Like much more so than even recipe testing. And uh, for me, time stops when I'm filming or creating content or doing a photo shoot Joshua tree or something like that. So, um, I don't even remember the question was, but that's my favorite thing to do. I always feel like the universe gives you a pat on the backside when you're going in the right direction. Yeah, totally. We try and do so many things with our lives. And every now and then you notice that you're just going with the flow on this thing that feels great and all the doors seem to open. And you know, from talking about acting before, I was trying, and I, this is like my war story, but just for years to get into NIDA. I just yeah. I tried for so long for NIDA, for WAPA, for VCA, yeah. for all those acting schools. And it's interesting that we both have this background in loving that and being passionate about that industry. But do I want to be a jobbing actor on the scene, schlepping around to try and make my way in the theatre world or the TV world? I don't know. I kind of feel much more emboldened telling my own stories on my own own dime, in a sense, or making it happen for myself. But having a little nucleus of passion in performance means that whenever you get a chance to speak or to talk showtime one thing i would say like listening to you like one and i've learned this like you can have it all Mm. so you could totally have that actor and be going to castings especially here but based in sydney but still doing all your creative stuff still doing all of this and they say the most successful people in the world generally have seven projects going at once so like that's why when I opened the smoothie bar I was like I can do this from Sydney because the smoothie bar's in Melbourne and I can write books and I'm I'm about to go to LA like I just I don't now I don't feel limited by any one thing I think you can have it all and I think that if you get passion from doing acting as well and I like I think that you would for sure I 100% would and I I, I feel like it's that story is not over. It's something no that will, will take place. It just will yeah. be a less traditional route to get there. Yeah. But So when you say you're going to LA, what will you do over there? So I've just been booked to go on a, a TV show that I spoke on last year over there. So it's just been rebooked for that show. Which and show it's, is it? It's called Home and Family. It's filmed mm-hmm. on the Universal Studio lot. It's a really cool variety show or lifestyle show. Just loads of fun. Uh, I think um, I just want to go and cook a recipe or talk health and it's just loads of fun and... They, I, what I've learned about being in America. So last time I went there, I was launching a book over there, and they say to me because I work with a publicity team when I go over there, they're like, "We love you because you look like a Californian girl, but you sound so different." And because I'm like quite ochre and really almost people say a bit bogan. Like when I went to that girls' school, Loretto, that we were talking about, my nickname at school was a. Uh, she bogan a shogun like everywhere i went shogun. yeah because they're like where is your accent from and i'm like oh, i don't know i just don't i've never really thought about it i just kind of do me but um so over there i'll be doing that um i'll just be doing as much kind of like growth and and we call it like panning the pavement just like going to i may be doing screen tests i may be doing a few meet and greets but i'll just do whatever feels right um and give it a red hot crack but at the same time as well 
I'll be writing the next books. I'll be using that time to write because I can often get really stressed out with the writing process. So if I've got this beautiful little creative space for myself, I'll pump the book out over there, I'd say. Oh, perfect. So the, what does that process look like for you when you know that you've got a book? Is it because they go, okay, we'd like a 10th book. We'd like it to be delivered by this mm-hmm. date you've got between now and then. Yeah. How long do you normally get to write it and, and do you work on it? the whole time you've between go and delivery it's um so normally signing of contract to holding the book in your hand is a 12 month process give or take um because i do a two book a year at two books a year at the moment um it's been much faster than that so i delivered last week the final manuscript for my book that will come out in november here so much faster it's a smaller book though so i bring out a christmas book like a smaller concept every year which I love whereas the bigger books are a much bigger process so normally the way I do it is when I get sign off um, I will create recipes very separately to writing the the manuscript so writing the manuscript is like just free-flowing from my heart a lot of fun but it's a very different mindset it's almost like I go to a lot of yoga when I'm writing that kind of that real hearty stuff whereas when it's recipe testing I'm in a kitchen I normally put on five kilos because I'm tasting gazillion and one things and um, and then I send it all to a recipe tester because my oven isn't going to be the same as your oven and what if I accidentally put an extra egg in one thing you know like you just you need a recipe tester to kind of like um, just uh, streamline it foolproof it yeah it? totally so then it will go to a recipe tester how, how often because I imagine recipes are generally pretty malleable how often do you find out that something that you thought was going to work wouldn't after it's been tested by someone else uh, probably 50% of my recipes wow. will need tweaking yeah yeah, wow. yeah 30 then, to 50% do they feedback and go we added an extra egg it was a chaos You'll have to adjust it. Yeah, okay. and then I'll have a play, and then we get so they probably get tested three times cool. each recipe. Um, I just would rather give the audience something that's foolproof. Uh, but I mean, look, I am creative, so I when I'm recipe testing, it's a mess. It's like a mad scientist, and I'm just going off intuition. I'm not going off. Um, okay, well, to bake a cake, you need an X amount of eggs to flour to liquid like I just go oh that looks like a cool consistency and then I just write down as I go so the recipe stuff actually stresses me a little bit more nowadays because the moment something doesn't work an audience member will tell you publicly and so you kind of got to be get it perfect whereas the flowing stuff from my heart much easier to write for me I can write about biophilia or my new favorite word is Nelly pot Mm -hmm. and that so biophilia is a healing power of mother nature on human beings but Nelly pot is for someone that loves to walk barefoot in nature. Mm. So I love all of that kind of hearty nature spirit. Well, there's so many um, endeavors that you've had. Did you have to, like when you thought about, and I mean, this kind of plays into my impression, how impressed I was by your audacity to just be a baby DJ when you were, you know, (laughs) do you have this thing of like, I'm gonna write a book. I'm going to do a smoothie bar. I'm going to do a, video, a YouTube channel. Do you just think, I'll just work it out as I go? Um. So with the YouTube channel, that's because I've always been flexible with social media. So I've always been really able to bend and flex with social media. Um, so when Instagram launched, everyone was like, nah, it's gross. I was like, I'm going to give it a crack. Everyone's using YouTube a lot more now. And I'm like, I'm going to give it a crack. So I've just always grown very organically with it and being okay with being a rookie for a while. Um, when it's with the smoothie bar, that was... So do you know St. Ali in Melbourne? Yes. 
So Salvatore, who's the owner of that, for the past 10 years has been trying to get me to open a smoothie bar and I'm always like, nah, I don't want to make smoothies. I've done that. Like I've sat there and worked and he goes, you don't need to. You can live in Sydney and we can build a team around you. So when he made that kind of very doable, we were like, all right, let's do it. So that came to me. Books generally come to me now. I don't go out and chase as much. I don't want to sound like a wanker when I say that, but I'm just now I'm like, Let's do what makes me happy and then the rest hopefully will come. Like I'd rather write a book about a treehouse at the moment. You know what I mean? Like so and that probably will come eventually and I know I just want to share my life now and that if that comes in all those different forms, it's not like I go, I want to do that, I'm going to go out and do that. It's more. So the, um, and so when the, the concepts of the books come, a publisher will come to you and say, we would love a book focusing on this part of your cooking so for example this time tomorrow with my publishers picking the concept for the next big book so what happens is i'll go with five or six ideas and i'll go these are the ideas i'm kind of milling over at the moment and they'll go we like that one we like that one work more on that and that's how it kind of works it's very collaborative um process and then i write it all like i don't have ghost writers or anything like that the only thing is you get an editor because I do stuff up what I write a lot. But I don't. I, everything I write comes from, like, my heart and my soul. So, yeah. Do you ever identify with writer's block or that, that idea of feeling creatively jammed? Never. Only because I think my books always have, like, two prongs to them. And that is the recipes and the spiritual stuff. And I will find if I'm not in the right mind frame to write that heartier stuff I'm like well let's just get through five recipes today so I can easily flick more into the linear part of the book or the heart the more creative the more creative one for me I enjoy more but if I'm not in that mode like we were saying do I get that kind of writer's blog I can easily just go well it's going to be a linear day today you know like I can kind of just switch between the two and I think that's where my pitta kind of clicks in and goes well I like I do I'm a Virgo too so I love ticking things off I love going you've achieved this this and this today so I'm like right if you can achieve having x y and z recipes done by today or if I'm like in a foul mood right and I'm like I don't want to do anything today I'm in a shit mood I'm like well you may as well recipe test because you're going to feel great with a bit of um you know medjool dates and coconut butter in your life so I'll use that to feel good you know so I think I just tap into how I'm feeling as to but this book will be different because I'll be in a whole new environment writing the next big book so that I'll be in LA so I imagine I'll probably write the heartiest stuff first and then the recipes will come after yeah, I imagine. No, nothing like a new environment to really in, yeah. in, in, ignite that um, yeah. that, imagine, that fantasy and the imagination and yeah. The, yeah, I'm the same when I'm writing I feel so you know intoxicated and lusty yeah. when I'm traveling oh. I could easily just you know write from the heart so effortlessly because oh. you're so turned on yeah agreed and it just flows um, well I love to uh, end with asking people you know if you were if I were to bump into you in a year's time and you, and I, you were to have succeeded or gotten really far into a project that's now just a, in its nuclear stage or that you're thinking oh wouldn't it be great to just have that done and you were to if I were to bump into you in, in a year and you would say I've done it I've nailed it. It's in the bag. What would that be? I'd like to say I'd love to have set up a happy place in Los Angeles. I'd really like to spend a bit more time there and build a little bit of a base there. So I've got my Sydney home and my Los Angeles home. So I'd like to, a year's time, be calling that a little bit more of a base. 
Um, Happy Place Smoothie Bar. Happy Place Smoothie Bar there, but also base for myself. So I'd love to be part there, part here. Um, I feel like there's a lot more opportunity to do what I love more with the filming and whatnot. And again, being so inspired by Steve Irwin, um, I like the idea of potentially cracking an American audience before an Australian because I'm still the like hippie girl off to the side everyone's like but you've totally made it in Australia I'm like what are you talking about I don't feel like I have whereas over there it's I couldn't tell you how many effing parts I've shot here and they just get greenlit and then that nothing happens and so I'd love to spend some time there and just do the base between Sydney and Australia and go, uh, Sydney and LA and if that means a happy place there a happy place here you know awesome but if that also means just like spending some time over there and here and then buying land in Byron and building a tree house as my little getaway that could look really cool too but as long as I'm living from the heart and happy and honoring myself and really like honoring what's true to me I'm wrapped I love it as someone who really is all about how to take the passion and make it happen you are just nailing it do you reckon I reckon you are Look, I feel like I've still got a long way to go on my journey, but for me, it was a real thing of like, and I, had, I must have had some really important stuff to learn in this last chapter or two of life yeah. before I could really action a lot of things. Yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. that was the case of like, I need to know what my story is before I, yeah. I project it from the mountaintops. Because the projection and wasn't the problem. It was the story that I needed to know. Yeah, first. and I think when the moment you set your values, perfect. And I know you're so, I like, you're so clear. I can see it. But, uh, yeah, for me, a turning point was when I was like, fuck this, I'm doing this because it feels right in my heart. That's when I think the magic happens. Thank you so much. Thank you. so good. So that was my chat with Lola Berry. One thing that emerged in the conversation was the importance of diversity and flexibility. At the core of Lola's brand is her education in nutrition and yoga. And as the brand has grown, so too have all the ways in which she uses her skill set across books, live gigs, classes, the smoothie bar, online video and social channels, and ambassadorships. She has found a way to monetize her expertise, her opinion, her ideas, and her image. Not everyone will be able to just become a social media sensation, I know, but it's clear to see that there is a tenacity to Lola's process that is beyond the realm of being an influencer. It intrigued me the idea that this day and age of self-made success stories through platforms like Instagram perfectly met Lola's skills and her personality at a time at which she was really ready to share information when there were platforms that were hungering for it. So if you have ideas worth sharing, there's no excuse for not sharing them. It's just a case of finding the best possible way to relay those ideas through the pre-existing platforms that already have a hungry audience. And of Lola's more than 120,000 Instagram followers, she more than serves them on a day-to-day basis. For those who think that being an influencer is easy money, it is a full-time job. You not only have to be on top of the visual and videographic representation of your daily process, but you still have to have the time to lead a life that's worth framing. And even though Lola has collaborators along the way, it is very much her as the writer, producer, director, and star of her own story. My biggest surprise was in the way that she schooled me on writing off my own dreams to perform and be an actor 
And I realized listening back to the recording that I'd actually adopted a really limiting belief along the lines of I can never be an actor, which probably has its roots in the fact that I was unsuccessful in my attempts to get into drama school in my late teens and early 20s. Lola's idea that you can have it all and you can be it all, I mean, she doesn't just say it, she lives it. I've often admired her attitude towards just doing it and working out the hows along the way. While most of us are still reading the manual and thinking about whether it's a good idea, she's already mastered it and she's on to the next thing. What would the world be like if more people had that courage and conviction? Thanks so much for listening. If you liked anything that you heard on today's show, please subscribe. But the best thing you can do is to share it with someone, anyone, everyone who may find it inspiring. I'll also be featuring highlights from this and all the podcast conversations on my Instagram at Dan Brophy. Until next time, make a vision board.